Indy Bound from Boilertown. What's going on? The triple option back this week. Got plenty for you. We're going to start in Indianapolis. We're actually going to start with the Indians. Kind of big news for them. Their top prospect, or Pittsburgh's top prospect, number one prospect in Indianapolis, got promoted. Garrett Cole getting called up to the show, as they say. And Pops, you're the, the fantasy guy, and so you got an inkling on how he's done. And he's he's warranted this promotion. Yeah, he's his last two starts for Indianapolis, he's gone seven innings both times and had shutouts. He's, his ERA is about 289. I think his whip is around one, and he's has uh, gone 68 innings. So clearly, he is. I think he's proven his point at AAA that he can pitch. And since, you know, he was a number one pick for a reason. So I think Pittsburgh, in needing of a starting pitching, decided they're going to call him up. And if, if you look across the landscape, it, it, you're starting to see this all over the place. I mean, Will Myers, Tampa's top prospect, called up. Uh, Nick Franklin, Seattle's top prospect at shortstop, called up, producing. All the pitchers at St. Louis is called up. Poig from to the Dodgers who come up this week and just exploded on the scene. And it's just that it appears that with scouting and cameras and everything else, more along with the video assessments, teams are able to decide sooner, can this guy play? Can this guy produce? Is he worth keeping? Is he Can he get promoted? Can he can he play in the majors? And that's why in the in before we used to, used to take a certain amount of innings or a certain amount of years, guys are getting up quicker. And, and I think that this is a trend. So if Cole, if Cole goes up and produces, you know, I think uh, the Dodger manager Don Mattingly said, you know, Puig is staying here, period, and no matter what happens when Kemp comes back or Crawford. You'd have to say that about any young guy. So if Cole produces, he'll be up, he'll stay up in a rotation, which means that Pittsburgh and their staff and the entire minor league system, including the Indians, did their job, at least to this point. The Indians did their job to this point. It's up to him to produce at the major league level of Pittsburgh. Yeah, and there shouldn't be very much pressure on him because we, as Cubs fans, kind of familiar with the Pirates, and they have one of the better staffs in the in the majors. So he's going to come up as the number five guy, I would assume, right, with Burnett and Lariano and uh, Locke. I think there will be some pressure simply because Pittsburgh is actually has amongst the better records in in baseball and is is close to the Cardinals in the division. So it's not like they're just out there playing games. And and they're just you know tooling around. They're they're still in this thing. You know you're you know you're starting to get into the second part of the season. Pittsburgh is probably feeling some pressure to actually win, be above 500, which they haven't for almost 20 years. So I think there'll be some pressure on him. But I think he needs to understand that that's just baseball. You know. Speaking of which, I should ask is when I asked you first, was he called up because of an injury, or did they finally think it was time to promote him? I just think they realized that. It, based upon his performance in Indianapolis, that they could use his arm. And again, you know, I mean, St. Louis keeps refortifying their pitching staff. I mean, they started Shelby Miller, then they brought up Waka. I mean, it's like every time you turn around, the Cardinals are bringing up a, a young kid. They plug him in, he's producing. And you, and you again, I with Puig and Franklin across the league and Ron uh, Rendon, which is a third baseman for uh, the Nationals, who now is, is playing second base because they need they need help. Young guys are coming up and staying and playing. I mean, you get plenty of examples, but Trout and Harper last year have to be just the examples as well because those guys came up early. Right, and I, like I said, I think that's the trend because the advanced cameras and taping has allowed teams to be able to assess much quicker, can this guy play or, or is he even really worth you know putting the money and time into? I think it's worth pointing out that AAA is doing their job because Lariano came up and had a pretty great showing against the Cubs and now Cole's coming up. So they're doing their jobs of keeping the players there and, and giving them time so that they get it called up to a team that's uh, willing to use them. Speaking of which, Lariano and Cole obviously have now left the AAA roster, but it's not like those guys are carrying the team. Tyler, you were looking at their record for the week, and obviously Cole is a big part of what they do, but they're, they're not just a one-trick pony. 
No, the record this past week was five and two. They played uh, at Colorado. It came home against Durham and played the first game against Norfolk, which they'll be playing at home into the middle of next week. And they'll be at Durham again, or they'll be at Durham this next weekend. And they still play a relatively, uh, I mean, they're close games, but they still play a relatively pitcher's game. They play, I guess, small ball where they rely on the pitcher. You know, Cole was not their only good pitcher. They've had, they have other great starting pitchers down there that are, you know, pulling up the rear, I guess. And I don't think they'll miss them as much because they still play the same way and they don't, you know, it's not really flash. It's more just hard work and I guess putting the time in. I wanted to mention as well, taking a quick step aside from the Indians, high school state baseball is going on this weekend and Central Catholic will be down at Victory Field on Saturday looking for their fifth straight state title. Talk about a dynasty. I just wanted to get that in there. So if you miss some Indians baseball, you can go check out some good Greater Lafayette area schools. And so we're going to keep an eye on Cole, even though he's not in the Indians anymore. Of course, we're going to keep updating you on the Indians but we're going to keep an eye on him because he's kind of the big one to watch and one that was in AAA. And of course, as always, we do have another set of family four-pack of tickets to give away to the Indians games. All you got to do is send a message to 95.7 The Rocket on Facebook. Tell them the triple option sent you there, and you're entered for a chance to win. Before we leave Indy, we got to talk about the Pacers. Last week we were in here. We were right before Game 7, and obviously the outcome didn't come the way we wanted to. And so just some quick reflections on, I guess, sort of the season and Game 7. I don't know if there's much to talk about Game 7. It looked like a young team kind of just didn't get the, didn't perform well in the moment. Did you see anything other than that, Pops? No, they need to mature. I think the amount of turnovers and that they just play reckless. And I think it's just the uh, the youth and the athleticism thinks that they could do anything in a particular moment. And I think they met up against a, a Miami team that just tightened up the pressure defensively and the Pacers cracked. George was pretty much shut down by LeBron James. I think he as he go as he goes, so go the Pacers. He's their best player. It's up for him to take that next stance and develop the maturity level and work on trying to figure out, you know, a more of an outside game to go and with his inside game. I'd like to see him get a little bit thicker too because he's probably because of the pounding. Are they going to be able to sign David West? I've heard some people say yes, some people say no. If they don't get him back, that's going to hurt the front line because depth's a problem anyway, and he's key to the front line. You could talk about the guard help, but I think they def- they got to sign some guys for the bench. I think they've announced that they're going to be around for for a few years, and they're going to and they gave Miami all sorts of trouble more so than I think most people thought, other than one person sitting in this room, Indiana Jones over here. But you'd have to think overall, you'd, the Pacers have to be satisfied with this because they they got to the Eastern Conference Finals, were close to going to the uh, NBA Finals. They're relatively young; they just need to add to the bench. They got to get West back. Uh, Granger is scheduled to come back, but will he be traded because he's in his last year of his contract, $14 million? He might be an option to a team wanting to, you know, cut salary. Don't know. They're going to have to figure out a way to add to the bench, you know, and watch the salary cap situation. But they appear to be, you know, pretty situated for the next two, three, four years to be a serious team in the Eastern Conference and probably basketball, especially if the Heat. We kind of speculated what's going to happen with the Heat. We don't know. If LeBron leaves, I'd like to think. It's going to be the Bulls and the Pacers, and you could argue who's better right now, but they're they're pretty close. I mean, if if Derrick Rose comes back and Noah's healthy, then I think you you got a neck and neck battle with those two teams. Yeah, I mean, what you said is spot on because I think Hibbert definitely had his coming out party. I think these playoffs, and I think George showed that he is on the cusp of taking that next step to superstar status. I think Tyler, do you have any 
anything else to add or maybe disagree with? I, I agree with him. I think the the main thing I was going to go with is that maybe in two or three years or it might be closer, it'll basically, I think the East could basically be Chicago, Indiana, if, if uh, Miami kind of goes there, everyone goes their separate way down there. I think that you could see where that's basically all that comes out of there with everybody just kind of okay. So it's basically winner of Miami. It could be the winner of Chicago, Indiana plays the West in the finals for a couple of years, I think. That'd be really exciting. And they're both young and talented teams. Leaving Indianapolis, heading back to Boilertown, uh, I wanted to touch on the Purdue track and field team. They had nationals this past week. They were in Eugene, Oregon. They sent six competitors in seven events. I think it was the most they've sent since 2011, which isn't very far away, but they sent the first track guy for, I think, in three or four years. And all six competitors finished in top 20 in all seven events, including the there was one woman who went for Purdue. She finished eighth in the shot put, and the Boilermaker long jumper Jeff Davis finished third in the high jump. And the Boilermakers also were the only team to send a pair of freshmen. And I kind of consider us, after, especially after two weeks ago, triple option kind of the, maybe not the banner carry, but we're right there for the small sports. And I, I don't want to dwell on this too much, but how does this make you feel about Purdue athletics overall? Because we kind of talked about how football seems to have gotten a, a nudge with the resources. And it seems like the further down you go, the ladder to the lower tier sports, there's nothing but success. A bronze medal at nationals. And I don't know if you'd consider Indiana or Purdue a track powerhouse. It's not a great performance, but a bronze is pretty impressive. No, I think we're on the ground floor supporting the lower level sports teams so somebody could spike the ball. I mean, we're the banner carriers for the teams below, you know, the football and basketball, because I think that's what we were saying. And I think it seems like the, the success from the bottom up, and I don't mean to say they're any lesser, but that's kind of how you look at those lesser, the t- the ones that are, don't bring in less revenue. But I mean, the bottom up effect seems to be applying to the basketball and football. But I think, you know, it continues the trend of, of these teams that are being successful getting in the NCAA, being successful in the NCAA tournament and the variety of all these different sports. It's just time for the football team to, you know, match basically what those, the track team, golf team, baseball team, you name it, all the all they've done. And the basketball team has been successful, but it had a down year. So you hope that that's just a one-year blip. I think that's what everybody assumes. So it's it's now up to Daryl Hazel, you know, to look and realize this, the entire the entirety of the athletic program is actually pretty good. I think thing I one thing I'd like to see and I guess hope for is that when you see kind of the student section at football games and basketball games, they're, you know, well-organized, they're really into it. I think the one thing that's kind of a shame is that those those sports don't get that. I think that would be great if they did because that's one of the, like, the best things in college to do it is that your fans don't care what record it is. They love that team, and they will do whatever to, they do whatever they want to try to get the other team to do bad. They don't care. It's us against everybody else, and they will root them on. So I would love to see a fan section at every sport because I think – or a student section at every sport that is as loud – and as devoted as the the football and the basketball team. I would like to note that volleyball does get that. They have a, I don't know if you've ever been there, they have a kind of a square arena, and it's called the box, and they do like slow motion waves. It's actually pretty cool to be there. There is some Purdue basketball news, but before we move to the big sports, staying on the small sports, last week, Big Ten Commissioner Jim Delaney came out and made the announcement that starting with the expansion when Rutgers and Maryland joined the Big Ten Conference, they will be adding two Division One sports and they are hockey and lacrosse. And I think all of us here are big fans of both, but lacrosse is especially 
important as Tyler and I both played in high school. And I just kind of want to get your guys' reactions because lacrosse is kind of, it's been growing, but I still think it's it's still under a lot of people's eyes. They don't really see it. And two, also from the perspective of pretty much immediately after the announcement was made that Rutgers and Maryland and John Hopkins were going to create the formation of a Big Ten lacrosse conference. Purdue, among IU as well, came out and said that they don't have the resources to push Purdue lacrosse into Division One status. And that's kind of frustrating because I feel like they're putting themselves behind the eight ball as opposed to trying to jump out in front and ride the swell of a growing sport, especially since the Purdue lacrosse team is coming off their league championship this year and got invited to a national championship under the D1 level. Well, I think it's a coup for the Big Ten to get John Hopkins and Maryland because you got two of the best programs in the nation, and Rutgers is pretty good too, but it's a little disappointing that Purdue would say that, that, that they're not going to be able to try to compete at the Division One. I. I mean, that's disappointing simply because we just literally got off the subject of these lower level athletics succeeding and lacrosse is is gaining it's gaining slowly but it's gaining because it used to be an elitist east coast or canadian type sport but it is moving to the midwest and to the west just because of teams like denver and stuff like that are are, are being successful in the the ncaa tournament I, I i'd like that i'd really like that decision to be rethought not because you guys played but i think people watch lacrosse it was, it's an exciting game and I think that it, in the university, the size of Purdue should really be in lacrosse at the NCAA level and hockey. You know, I, I, it's, I hope that they really rethink those decisions. Yeah, before, Tyler, before you jump in, I mentioned lacrosse because Purdue's had a lacrosse program for, I think it's 1970s, about the time they got started. It's just frustrating me because, as you said, Maryland and John Hopkins are national contenders every year. And the Big Ten isn't going to be just a pushover because of those two. Ohio State and Penn State were ranked third and eighth in the national tournament this year. So the Big Ten already is bringing in some legitimacy to a conference when it forms. Ty, I didn't mean to cut you off. You want to get in on this? Well, I, I do agree on the uh, hockey thing. I think it. I'm really surprised because of how serious hockey is near in, in Indiana and around because up north it's taken very seriously, especially Illinois, Michigan, Minnesota, you know, Michigan and Minnesota and Wisconsin, I know, are very good hockey teams. And the fact that Indiana doesn't want to get in in that would doesn't surprise me. And signing John Hopkins, I think, is huge. I mean, people maybe not realize who's like uh, how big they're on lacrosse. I would equate it as a football team. If Purdue was starting a football, if Big Ten was starting a football league and they signed like Alabama, Florida, USC, and Texas, basically, it's like th- some of the biggest. They win national championships. It's a big signing it's a huge deal yeah just a little background i think the john hopkins lacrosse team was formed in the late late 1800s i think sometime in 1890s 1880s something like that and they've been independent since yeah and unfortunately they had a streak of like 60 births it was broken this year but i think that even supports the cause more so for why it's that much more disappointing that the big Mm. 10 isn't jumping on this because parody has become much more relevant in lacrosse as pop said it used to be just east coast but notre dame has become a national power denver is nationally relevant and like i said ohio state and penn state have have joined the picture as well it's becoming much more of a more national sport well i think they they won the national championship in 2008 i think is right something like that and you know 60 straight births i mean that's like making it to the basketball ncaa march madness tournament 60 times but the tournament's even smaller than that. It's how many teams get in 16? 16. 16. I mean, 64. And people don't even make that so many times. And this is a 16 tournament. So, I mean, that that's a, a team that just 
just year in and year out puts the effort in. So I think it's a great deal. I'm a little disappointed because I would have loved to see John Hopkins come because that's my favorite team. Yeah, so no, I agree. No, I no mean, bias towards Purdue, but I love I love John Hopkins. Michigan made the jump recently, maybe even just just this past year. So they're joining Division One specifically. They were because you need six teams in a conference to make it a conference sport. And Ohio State and Penn State were in. You're getting Rutgers and Maryland who are already D1. John Hopkins comes over, and then Michigan jumps up, and those are your six. Well, I hope to see Purdue come in, and I would love to go see John Hopkins. Ohio State and Penn State are both very good teams. Maryland is a very good team. And hopefully from then on out, they can get non-conference deals going on where you can get teams like North Carolina, Duke, maybe Denver coming over, some of the Ivy League, Syracuse, which are big teams. And are it, it would be, to me, you know, a lot of people don't know lacrosse and don't know who's good. That's very similar to having USC or Oregon come to football or Kentucky or Duke coming to play basketball. You know, Duke was, when Duke came to play basketball a couple of years ago at Purdue, that was a huge deal. It was in ESPN. That would be very similar. Those teams are the upper echelon and it would be it'd be big to come and see them play because those those kids go on to be drafted and play in, in a in a major league sport that is small so they are the best of the best basically yeah before we leave lacrosse pops i want to get your take not so much your take just your opinion on how much the big 10 adding lacrosse is really going to push the sport forward because they you know john hopkins has been independent since the creation of lacrosse and it would seem that they're jump, jumping into a conference because they don't want to be left behind because you start getting conferences partnering up with conferences and you want to get that automatic bid into the tournament now well clearly with the big 10 network this is going to help promote the big 10 even further and lacrosse because it's it's just all over the midwest and even on the east coast with all the big 10 alumni so i think not only is it going to help the big 10 it's going to help lacrosse as a whole and it really should help the schools that are involved which again is is why i think purdue needs to rethink this because you know, back in the 80s when Miami started winning national championships and everything else, Miami was considered a small school that didn't have a lot of recognition. But the, with the football program, people were coming to Miami expressly because, hey, I saw them on TV. I wanted to come down here and enroll, which means more money, more advertisement, selling more paraphernalia, jerseys, etc., more ex- exposure for the university. And as they say, any publicity is good publicity. Well, plus more enrollment. Right. That's what I think I already said. So it just adds up to more money and more exposure. And I think it's just Morgan Burke needs to seriously take a look at this because the opportunity to have Hopkins come in and Maryland come in, I mean, I think you're missing the boat here. And I and I think, you know, anytime you had a, and I think one thing I've not been crazy about Purdue is sometimes you have to spend money to make money. It seems like that's what they do with the football program, and I'd like to see them do that with the lacrosse because I don't, you know, whatever it's going to cost, I think you're going to get the money back because of of who you're playing plus the exposure of lacrosse on the Big Ten network plus you know in, in helping the Big Ten just not just the Big Ten lacrosse and lacrosse as a whole but the Big Ten because more people are going to come here because they can say hey I can play in the Big Ten lacrosse which before you know was basically the ACC and that's about it now you got Big Ten playing lacrosse that that's that's big news period I'm I glad think- you touched sorry just real quick I'm glad you touched on that because ACC is is the top echelon for lacrosse. Ivy League is too. Those are basic, but you don't really consider the Ivy League a power conference when you think of sports in, in a whole. And the Big East has a conference, but I don't really take them super seriously because they're being picked apart and now they're splitting in half themselves. And so recruiting-wise, I, I really like that you touched on that point because going forward, you can say, hey, there's really only two sports power conferences and we're one of them, so come play for our schools. Yes. Just because they have the notoriety of football, notoriety of basketball, 
you know, women's basketball is gaining notoriety, track and field is, baseball is. Now lacrosse is going to be moving up quickly just simply because you've got you've picked up two of the bigger name programs out there to join what you've got in the Big Ten, Penn State, Ohio State. And it's just it's just going to grow. And with growing equals money. Tyler, you were going to say something. Well, I think the exposure could be good because I'm pretty sure every game for the lacrosse tournament is on ESPN. They show every one of them, which would be great exposure that they went there because it's it's if you don't live anywhere close to Purdue, it's very difficult to see any of their games. Football, you probably would not see unless you somehow had the Big Ten Network. Basketball, maybe there's a couple games, but most likely you have to wait the tournament. But if they got in and they played a couple game tournament, doesn't matter where you are. You can watch on ESPN, so that'd be immediate great exposure for them. And they play in big venues like Lucas Oil in Indy or Lincoln Field in Philadelphia, the stadium in Baltimore where the Ravens play. They play in big stadiums where you could also go see them if you were there. Yeah, it's true. Lucas Oil was a huge success this year, and you and I were talking about this right before the lacrosse ended. It looks like Lucas Oil is poised in another year or two to possibly host the national championship for lacrosse. I think that would be great. I'd be excited to go down and watch some of those teams because they said that now that they've hosted two regional matches, they're trying to get in and try to host some more games there. Absolutely. All right, staying in Purdue, now going to the big sports. Coach Painter added another one-year player to his basketball team. He added Sterling Carter, a guard from Seattle University. And upon reading some stuff just right off the bat, he kind of came out to me as kind of a gunner, someone that you immediately put in and he didn't see a shot he didn't like. But upon further analyzing it, it kind of seemed like he kind of didn't fit in with the coaching staff, and so he was pressing to try and impress. But the important things are, when he was finally allowed to transfer, he contacted Painter and expressed extreme interest in wanting to come to Purdue. He's regarded as a pretty good defensive player, and he, I think in his three years that he's played, he's never shot under 36% from the three-point line. And so knowing just that stuff, and obviously I think you would say, again, Painter has some scholarships to burn this year with the transfers, and it's a one-year guy, so really it's kind of a no-lose situation. But knowing what he brings to the table, how do you feel about his possible contributions to the basketball team, Pops? Well, I, I honestly think that you know the stats are nice, but I think obviously he's going to be stepping up in competition level, so I think you won't truly know until he gets out there and starts playing. I mean, you can hope for the best, clearly, Painter understands that this is kind of an important year because I don't think it's it's not very common for coaches to go out and sign guys for one year deal. So I think he he obviously needs he believes he needs the help until the top the elite the recruiting class for the following year comes in. And then I think you kind of got the young guys that you're probably going to be the core of the team. But you know you just hope for the best. Tyler, your thoughts? I I like it. I mean they need it. it I mean does he seem more like he's a, a more offensive piece? more than, I guess, a defensive player. He's regarded as a, a good defender. I think he's a, a fairly decent two-way player. I think that it's good because I, th- I I think that the problem they had last year was that just, just offense could be really come and go. So I think adding somebody who, I mean, if you describe him as a gunner who want to take the shots, I don't see as much of a problem with that because I think there's, there's a time when you're not where you're like everyone, it may seem like everyone's afraid to, and he's a guy that's like, I'm not afraid to go take a shot. I don't care if I miss it, but I'm taking a shot, which some players lack. Like when after they miss a shot, they just lose confidence. They're like, I don't want to shoot it again. And this guy just is like, I'm going to take it. It's going to go in, it's going to go out, but I'm still going to have the confidence to sit there and take that shot. So I think that's good because some games you just need that because some guys just don't want to mess up. So they pass it and they just, they don't want to take the shot. And this guy could be like, give me the ball. I want the shot. And they said in uh, the replacements, winners want the ball. 
So, I mean, he could be a guy that maybe not, I'm not saying he's going to be a star, but he could be a role player that really could make shots they need. Yeah, well, I mean, the biggest thing is that he is a very successful, I think he set the school record for three-point shots made at Seattle University where he transferred from. And obviously, DJ Bird struggled last year, so you hope he's not just a set shooter, and I don't think he is. He, he's got some ball skills. He was often refer- He's considered the most talented player on their roster. He just apparently did not fit into the coach's system. And so I think you're hoping, because jump shooting was an issue last year. I mean, you can't beat around the bush. Jump shooting was an issue. And with A.J. Hammonds, who, if he puts his mind to it, I think can be a top player in the nation, needs some people to be able to pull defenses out a little bit. And so that's what you're hoping for, because I think you would consider the Johnson brothers more slashers, right? Yes. You need outside shooting, but I don't think you can have enough guys they could get their own shot and get to the basket and finish. And, and at times, Purdue can get to the basket, but they're not able to finish, and that's strength and or confidence. So you need to post up. You need guys that can shoot outside, but you also need it as the college game transitions slowly to the program. You need guys that could score on their own and get to the basket. Exactly. I think he brings a bit of that element. And, of course, the you know the intangible is he – as a senior and for a young team, you want someone to bring leadership as they brought in two one-year guys, now giving them two more seniors, which doubles the amount of seniors they had. All right, that's it for the triple option this week. Again, remember, if you want to win a chance to win some Indian tickets, send a message to 95.7 The Rocket. Say, hey, triple option said I could win tickets, and that'll enter you for a chance. We're going to get out of here. We'll be talking about Purdue and Indians throughout the summer. And so for the triple option this week, I'm Blair Gunther. Tyler Gunther. Harold Gunther. Catch you next time.